Welcome to Beyond the Silver Lining Podcast, a sacred space for empowerment, transformation, spirituality, and lots of self-love. I am your host, Wendy Rosenthal, a scientist and empowerment coach for women and a spiritual guide to help you find a gift in disguise in trauma, challenges, and pain so that you can create a positive mindset and get your power back by connecting back to your body, mind, and spirit. This podcast is a safe space to share our stories and feel like we're not alone anymore. I will be sharing my personal experiences, have interviews with experts and people like you who are also experts in your own unique way in life. Let's transform fear into freedom. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Silver Lining podcast. I am your host, Wendy Rosenthal, and today I am delivering to you guys something quite special. So you know that the whole reason about the podcast, the silver lining, finding that gift in disguise, really it involves so many areas of our lives, really what brings in into our wellness, into our physical health, our mental health, emotional because at the end of the day, all that make us as human beings and emotional beings, it really has to do with different areas in our lives. So as much as I bring in um, things about empowerment, things about health and nutrition and, and my shares, I also want to make sure that you guys are supported at another level, which is relationships. And um, that's why I have a super special guest today. So we have today Teresa Lodato. She is a conscious leadership and relationship coach. She has over 20 years in financial services and psychology to empower her clients to leverage self-awareness and innate skills so that they can create work and personal lives that are resilient, balanced, and successful. So I am so pleased that she's here today. She's going to share with us her wisdom. And above everything, really pay attention to when we talked about relationships about how to be conscious in our relationships and that's something that I I feel like I talk quite a lot the part about being conscious and um, of course I, I focus more in the personal consciousness who we are being in this moment who are we being with other people but Teresa will go a little bit deeper into the consciousness of being in a relationship because I feel that that is also another area that we can start paying more attention to so that as you know a relationship is just not a one person kind of deal it always has to do with at least two people. So whether it is you, your husband, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, or you and your kids, you and your friends or co-workers, it always applies. So a lot of the wisdom that Teresa will be sharing for us or with us um, really will help all these different areas because at the end of the day, she has helped so many people in not just relationships, but also in other areas in which requires um, that kind of awareness. So let's welcome Teresa Lodato. I'm so happy to introduce you to Teresa <laughs> and welcome so much here. And thank you for, for being here with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, when it comes to people coming and, you know, we all want to be a little better every day and um, 
you know, whatever it is that we're looking for, try to have a better day, hopefully. I, my hope is that as we wake up, that there's that little curiosity or there's that little, you know, spark in, you know, trying to make today better than yesterday. You know, whether it's feeling great or doing things that are a little bit, you know, uh, going in the direction that hopefully is leading us on our path. But when it comes mm -hmm. to relationships, for example, and again, this could be as a single person, relationship with anyone, friends, coworkers, family, or in a loving, you know, like partnership kind of relationship mm -hmm. with their spouse or with their kids, it feels like sometimes this whole um, idea of, you know, finding what I want and being conscious of what it is that I want, sometimes it gets a little there's a lot of distraction or kind of shadow by all the, everything else on the outside. And so one of my things too, that it makes me think when it comes to relationships, because the more, the better we are with ourselves and the conscious and aware, we are also in that way and even better with other people around us. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is it that people should be looking for when it comes to um, let's say, working on myself and then bringing in people into my life or giving that back to the people that are already in my life? Yeah, so with, um, well, one of my favorite sayings that I don't know if anyone else says it, but I say it, is the key to successful relationships is really self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So I love how you say that, you know, it starts with the relationship to self. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I coach all my clients. It's on my website. That's the message. Everything has to come. That change has to come from within. Mm. So you have to be willing to accept responsibility. Number one, you have to be willing to take a look at how, what part you're playing in the relationship. When there's something that is challenging or something that is difficult, you have to be willing to shine that light of awareness upon yourself so that you can examine what's happening here. You know, that I used to do dating, um, dating and relationship coaching um, a few years back. And that was something that I worked with with my clients is helping them to own that, be able to say, you know what, I keep dating these, you know, these, these guys are attracted to me was something that people would say, oh, all these guys, I keep attracting these bad guys. Yeah. And I would work with my clients and say, well, number one, you're not attracting them, you're choosing them. Right. And just in that word shift, it creates almost like an energetic shift. It, it empowers you just with those word choices. And I think that's what is so key about the work I do now, especially with my leadership and my sales clients, but even in the personal coaching that I do, is helping to bring awareness to the words that we're using, the way we are communicating with other people. Mm -hmm. Because there are at least four different ways that people, kind of archetypes that people use for communication methods. And there's, you know, there's many iterations beyond that, but there's four main ones. And how you speak to different people really sets the stage for whether they're able to hear your message, whatever you're saying, and also so that you feel like you've been heard. And communication doesn't happen unless both people are engaged in it and they're actually sharing the ideas. That's what the communication is. It's an exchange. Mm -hmm. And so if you can talk until you're blue in the face, and if the person on the receiving end 
if you're not messaging it in a way so that the other person can hear it without their defenses going up, without um, them being triggered, or without them feeling like they're being insulted or disrespected, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's so important to realize not only who you are and the awareness that you have about yourself, but then extending it out in the manner in which you speak to others. And I think that's a big key, uh, mm. certainly in the way that I coach, is not only bringing the awareness to whatever uh, triggers you have or whatever experiences come up in the moment, but taking it all the way out to those things like communication, like being able to uh, your word choice or um, or how you respond as far as recognizing them or respecting them. Those are all very important um, issues that people, you know, as you practice it, it becomes second nature. But we were never taught in school how to communicate effectively unless you took a specialized course in college. Right. And sometimes it feels like as far as communication, we don't, pro we don't really process things so much before saying it. We just like say it. What's the first thing that comes to mind? And sometimes that hurts people, even it hurts ourselves. So the way I see it, maybe it is learning to have that conversation with ourselves first, that kind of communication that is a lot powerful with ourselves and what, what it is that we want, but also considering what other people's needs are, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then... Mm -hmm. Certainly. And, and I think that there are certain words that we can all just take out of our vernacular, out of our vocabulary. You know, when we start saying, you need or you should, mm -hmm. <laughs> those are two big trigger words for a lot of people. Yeah. And it even focuses when we focus it back on ourselves, when we say to ourselves, I need to do this or mm -hmm. I should do this. Mm -hmm. That automatically, it's, it's as if those words are loaded. And they're loaded with judgment. Right. You know, you need to do this. You feel so much pressure. That assumes, yeah, it, it's pressure and it assumes, or, or you should do that. That assumes that you're wrong in some way, I think. Right. And so, you know, there are things that we can do right off the bat to remove certain words from our vocabulary and from our usage. But then from there, it's about learning or knowing the other person and how they want to receive the information or how they best receive it. Because some people you know, they're just, they're going to be blind, they're going to be clueless. But, you know, if you have, if you are at least self-aware and you are using the tools to be able to communicate as effectively as possible, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You could have the most unaware uh, person, you know, that you're dealing with, but if you know how to speak to them, if you know how to motivate them in a way that doesn't trigger them, you're going to have a lot better relationship, even if they're a very difficult person, you know, as a standalone. You know, it's interesting you say that because I have seen that in some people in my life and they are super quiet. They are super to themselves that it kind of feels like, oh, they're kind of like standoffish. They don't inspire confidence, but when they have, they really, I feel like sometimes because they, maybe I was like that when I was so much younger, being so much in our minds, that's how I remember myself, being so much in my head and thinking and kind of analyzing, which is not always good because it kind of makes you go crazy, right? Because your mind is so cluttered, but um, it makes me feel like those people that I'm just saying is they were 
having that inner you know connection and that awareness in themselves so that when they express themselves and they were speaking and communicating with other people it really went to the point they really mm -hmm. made their their <laughs> word their you know their voice clear so it was mm -hmm. more receptive you know, and i remember thinking oh like i would have never thought that they'll communicate in that kind of that kind of way because they never really spoke much before mm -hmm. and this is like from a long time ago like people that i knew and all that but then it's interesting that you know it's sometimes that is true people that sometimes are quiet you know and and maybe they're already doing some sort of inner work i, I guess and then and communication is obviously so super important now i mean it's always something to keep in mind Right. Yeah. Well, and, and the person that you described uh, in my book, I detail four different communication types. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it's kind of an amalgamation of, of different um, uh, archetypes that other people have created. So I've combined some of the different aspects and then added some extra things that most people don't include so that you have a clearer perception of how to communicate. And what you just described is someone who I call a researcher. And a researcher is someone who, you know, they're interested in taking in all the information. And then once they have all the information, then they're willing to voice what their thoughts are. And when they do voice things, you stand there and go, whoa, yeah. that's really powerful. That, I, yeah, I really respect that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes they have an introverted nature, but even mm -hmm. if they aren't an introvert, typically by that word, you know, they're going to be taking in the information and then being able to communicate with them in a way so that they feel respected, so that they feel like, um, or so that they think that they are being heard. Um, you know, in, in that kind of communication process, you know, there's a certain way to, to work with them. You know, you want to ask them. You want to mm -hmm. be respectful. You want to ask. You don't want to tell them to do things right. because that's something that will automatically turn them off. Yeah. So interesting because I was just laughing as you say that because in, in, in a little bit, lame, tell me really quick about those four archetypes. I'm really curious about what they are. But I was laughing because I, yes, I was thinking of myself being that way because also maybe that's why my career has been research. I am in research. And one thing that even now I'm also doing coaching, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and sometimes it's in my mind is that battle of going to the facts, doing your studies, researching on it, gathering all the information, the facts that we think this is what makes this true. This is what is proving your hypothesis hypothesis therefore this is you know this other thing is is true or not right mm -hmm. but as a coach or I mean not even a coach only but just as anyone a human being with you know all these things coming to you and and having so much influence in your mind that is hard sometimes to um to be aware, you know, of, of the things that we say and, and go like in my mind or in my case, like trying to be so close to what really is happening by the book. But then in real life, not always is like that. So I had to learn to just give in a little bit and not obsess in analyzing things so much. And what you said, uh, as far as doing the research, I see myself you know, doing more of that before. Now I'm more aware of being more open and learning from everybody else. And and yes, speak. That's another thing that I had to learn: speaking out, you know, out loud, speaking at my voice. Because I never mm -hmm. thought I had one. I was mm -hmm. always, like you said, introverted, 
super quiet. I didn't think what I had to say matter. And mm-hmm. that's why I was more consuming my books. But then eventually I had to go through my up and downs, my silver lining and all of that, that I'm like, no, I have something to say. But again, jumping into being the quiet person, quiet girl, and, and, and taking that leap of faith and, and trusting that what I have to say is, is it matters. The very first thing, it matters to me because that way is, for me, a way of releasing. And then also, you know, reaching out to other people who could be going through the same thing and helping them in the same way. Yes. So it's, it's so interesting how, yeah, we can find ourselves in certain categories or archetypes. So really quick, and also because maybe this is your opportunity to tell us more about your book or, or and then, which by the way, at the bottom, I'll have a link to it so people can go and look mm-hmm. it up. So what are those four archetypes that you were talking about? You don't have sure. to get all the detail, but I mean, just super quick. Yeah, no, you'll have to, because it, it's a lot. There's a lot yeah. in there. So definitely just download the book. You got it all forever. Um, so the four types are leader, researcher, mm-hmm. spokesperson, and collaborator. Mm. So the leader is someone who is very tight charge. You know, they're generally the people that they want things done a certain way. Um, they might... Um, uh, they typically don't ask, they don't take a consensus of how to, when they need to make a decision, they'll either make it themselves or they might go to one specific person like a mentor or advisor mm-hmm. or a consultant, mm-hmm. get the answer and then they act. Mm-hmm. They are usually in full action mode. They, mm-hmm. want their, they want the results, they want to get to it quick, get to the point. The researcher I've already described, yeah. uh, the spokesperson is someone who... Uh, you know, they are, they're the, the show people, you know, they're the people that want to entertain, they want to be out there, they're very um, expressive in their nature, uh, you know, they want to get things done, but they don't want to be confined to how you have to do things. Like a researcher, they're very good with, you know, structure, you know, here's, you stay within the box, you know, researchers are very comfortable with that. Uh, a uh, spokesperson, they want to do things their own way. They've got all these big ideas and they want to be able to try the different ideas. You know, they generally have a higher risk tolerance. Um, And then there's the collaborator and the collaborator is someone who they want everyone to get along. They want to make sure that everyone is taken care of. Um, You know, before they make a decision, they generally want to talk with, you know, their advisors and maybe their friend or their partner. Mm -hmm. You know, they have, it's just a different way that they communicate. Now, in my book, I go into each one of those and I break it down um, in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways that um, I feel is most impactful is I break down each type into conscious and unconscious. Because the way a leader shows up when they're unconscious is going to be much different than the way a leader shows up when they're conscious. And I do that for each one of the types. And so reading through that description, I feel like it helps people to get a really good idea, not only how to communicate with those people, um, people that are different from you, but then also how to realize whether they're conscious or unconscious. Because the way I speak with an unconscious leader type is going to be different than the way I speak with a conscious leader type. And so it really is important to have all those aspects to kind of have a grasp of it. Um, And it also helps you to identify the people more quickly so that when you're speaking to someone brand new, you can, you know, okay, this is, this is what's coming forward. You know, they're coming forward as a researcher. 
Well, I know if they're coming forward as a researcher, if I'm either going to be in relationship with with them, whether it's personal or whether it's professional, say, for example, I need to sell to that person, I need to get them on board with whatever um, I'm selling, I'm going to have to go about the sales process in a slightly different way for them. You know, I'm going to approach them and I'm going to say, you know what, you're a thought leader in this area. You've got a lot of education, a lot of training. What would you advise me to do if I was to sell to someone, you know, that could use, you know, however you're running your business? You know, if you've got Mm -hmm. an accounting firm, you know, how are you running your accounting firm? What can I do so that I can tell other people, you know, so I'm really providing a lot of respect and showing them that hey, I respect your knowledge, I respect your experience, that's going to light them up and that's going to open them up, they're going to drop their walls and then they will essentially sell themselves. So, you know, they'll tell you exactly, oh, well, I would use this article and I would tell them this or whatever it is. There are different ways that you approach it. I couldn't use that same selling strategy with a collaborator, or I couldn't use that same selling strategy with a spokesperson or a leader. It just wouldn't be effective and they would shut down and it would be the end of the prospecting call. Mm-hmm. But even in you know, personal relationships, identifying you know, your children or your family or your partner, who, what type of person they are, what type of archetype they are, will help you to get them on board. You know, I have a researcher son, (laughs) and I'm a collaborator. I'm a collaborator leader. I kind of bounce back and forth between those two. But my son... Sorry, if if there's also that overlap between two that people can have? Yeah, it's it's not so much an overlap, but it's more I see it as kind of a secondary. Mm. Generally, in life and in work, I'm a collaborator. However, I will, when I rise to the occasion, when when I need to embrace those leadership or that leadership archetype, mm-hmm. it's a very natural move for me to go into it. But it's not, that's not who I am most of the time. But um, for example, with my son, who's a researcher, you know, learning how to communicate with him. And, and actually, that was one of the big reasons that I actually spoke about that in my book was because, you know, I realized that it's not just in selling strategies, it's not just in your workplace relationships, it also is extremely beneficial for your home relationships. You know, my husband's a spokesperson, so the way, you know, I get to motivate him is completely different than the way that I motivate my son. You know, my husband, he needs me to tell him to do whatever. You know, he needs to say, hey, you want me to take out the trash? Tell me to take out the trash. (laughs) Don't ask me if I will take out the trash because if you're asking me, I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Or no, I don't feel like it. Whereas if I say, hey, honey, the trash needs to be taken out. Can you take care of that for me? Or will you take the trash out? Then he's like, sure, I'll do it. But um, whereas with my son, I have to ask him. You know, I have to get him on board and say, you know what, it would really be helpful for me, you know, if you could take care of this for me then I get a lot more buy-in. Whereas if I tell him, you know, hey, go do this, he's going to get a little bit more rigid. So that's kind of a, a broad overview, but um, wow. yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. And <laughs> I guess this is something that is really good because hopefully, again, the whole thing about being more conscious about what it is, who we are and what it is that we want and how can we have better relationship with other people around us. So this book would be really, really helpful for us in learning those archetypes 
where we are and you know which one are the four and also like you said identifying the people around us and and really learning and i feel like that's a better way to learn about other people and how how can we have a better relationship with them rather than trying oh, yeah. to figure it out as we go along and oh, i feel yeah. like that personally <laughs> that's how i'm like now thinking hmm now i know how I could have talked to this person or that person you know and so <laughs> so it's really good to find this kind of resources because most people don't know in in when it comes to communication when it comes to taking care of ourselves when it comes to setting uh, boundaries at the same time you know and because mm -hmm. um, yeah. we sometimes we all want all the things or we will or we as women maybe we want to take care of everybody and sometimes we just forget about our own needs mm -hmm. and so in that sense Sometimes we give too much that maybe other people either one they take advantage that we are so nice that we're a mom or just someone who is there available and they just kind of like are taking and taking and taking and we don't get much back and we don't ask for anything anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But then also at the same time we might be taking care of people and pleasing people that, you know, maybe that's not what, what they want or what they need in that moment. You know, like yeah. I've heard this many times when it comes to coaching, especially sometimes they say the number one thing is they not always go to their family to share their problems or what is going on in their minds because right away, whoever who is around is going to try to fix it for them. You know, like, oh, you should do, but obviously in a judgmental way, in a sense, like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And mm -hmm. they're like, there's that should word right there. Right. That's that should word. Exactly. <laughs> and that's one thing that we talk about too, you know, the language that people use. And so, and they've noticed that once they start shifting that conversation, you know, how they speak, how they, they vocalize what, what it is that they, they are their um the one in their life then people around them are like oh you know without even thinking so much or or these people telling them they start shifting that too mm -hmm. but so so how can you tell us would lead us to this other part of that i know is part of your work about you know teaching your clients and people you work with about boundaries you know setting those boundaries with <clears throat> whoever who comes to life right mm -hmm. And what it is that um, really it's, it's what's important for us, you know, to know and empower ourselves and respect ourselves in that sense that we also have to take care of ourselves. Have, in a sense, because it is our right. It is our right to take care of our needs and, and what, what's making us happy, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that uh, you touched on it, that the boundaries are not only there to keep people from encroaching on our space by taking too much, in your example, but it's also there so that we don't overstep and try to impose upon other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I often think of it as the chain link fence, you know, that has the barbed wire on the top, you know, and whether it's pointed in or out is, is dependent on whether they're trying to keep people out or keep them in. So boundaries, even though it doesn't have to be that strict, I often think of boundaries that way. You know, we're setting a space so that we are empowered and we and we set that space by becoming more self-aware we're aware of what our body needs in the moment we're aware of how we're being um, treated or or what the surroundings the external part um, what's going on and then there's also the boundaries that we set so that we're not encroaching on other people um, you know, for example, back to my example with my husband who needs to be told 
you know, it's not like I'm trying to control him. It's not that at all. I've got my boundaries. If I realize, because my husband's extremely giving. I mean, he and I are both ex- we're givers. Mm-hmm. And so he's perfectly willing to give. But if I am overstepping my own boundaries and doing too much, then he's going to relax into that and allow it to happen. So what is important for me to do is to stay within my boundaries. And if I need assistance, to tell him, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. Honey, I need you to take out the trash or I need you to clean up the kids' toys in the living room (laughs) so that I can do X, Y, and Z. Mm. And then he's like, sure, I'll do it. Whereas if I'm not aware of my boundaries or if I don't have healthy boundaries established, I might go downstairs, see the mess in the living room of kids' toys, see my husband sitting there on the couch and just think to myself, you know, what's wrong with him? Why is he doing this? Doesn't he see this mess? Why isn't he cleaning it up? And then taking it to another level If I am experiencing those emotions and I'm starting to get triggered, if I don't have a healthy way to communicate that information to him, then I could end up becoming passive aggressive and saying, well, then I'm not going to do this for him later. And my husband has absolutely no clue what would be going on in that conversation because that would just be a conversation going on in my head. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of that self-awareness of yourself. It's also taking into account being able to articulate in a way so that I can communicate what's going on inside of me in a way that's not going to trigger him or offend him. You know, if I'm in that state of, I see the kids' toys everywhere in the living room, I come downstairs, my husband's sitting on the couch, and in my mind, I'm thinking, why isn't he doing this? Why is he sitting on the couch? Doesn't he know that there's so much work to be done? You have to stop, take a breath, realize that, you know what? He probably doesn't know or he sees it and it's not a high priority because he's got his own stuff going on. He has his own space. But what's more important is for me to stop and say, hey, you know, honey, you know, could we, could we get this cleaned up? You know, or when do you think that we can get this cleaned up? That might be something I start just with a, an awareness. And this is a really simple example. But, you know, um, honey, I'd like to get this cleaned up because I've got X, Y, and Z happening later on. Mm-hmm. And my husband might say, okay, but that still might not communicate to him that I want him to do it. So then I'd have to take it to the next step and say, sweetheart, would you mind doing this for me? I would appreciate it if you did this for me so that I could go about doing X, Y, and Z. Because he has no idea what other things I have going on. Then he's able to step up and be himself. And then I'm able to be grateful for what he's doing. So I'm holding my line. I'm respecting his boundary. And we're able to communicate effectively. Like I said, a lot of people will go in, get passive aggressive. Oh, he's not doing this. He's not doing whatever. And then it just spirals out of control. It becomes this vicious cycle where each person is getting triggered. And then before you know it, and this is something that happens a lot with my personal clients, is they come to me and they say, I don't even know how we got here. I don't even know how did we get to this place. Mm -hmm. Things were going so great. And then it just seems like things just started unwinding. 
That's a very common thing that I hear from my clients. And once they start working with me and gaining that self-awareness and gaining those tools, how to communicate more effectively, how to respect your own space, how to respect someone else's space, how to be respectful and appreciative of others and not engage in those tendencies that we have growing up, you know, as we grow up, that's where we're learning all these behaviors, whether we're going to speak to someone respectively, whether yelling is okay, whether cussing is okay, whether, um, you know, people are passive aggressive, or whether they're reactive, all of those behaviors happen as we're growing up. And so when we become adults, that's our standard practice. So if we are more aware then we can make those changes. We can choose, we're empowered to make the changes to create the kind of relationship we want to have. And when we do that, then that's when the transformation happens. Yes, that is so true and so powerful because it feels like you said, I don't know how we ended up to have this huge argument over, you know, taking the trash out or who's going to drive or what, you know, whatever, whatever that is. And sometimes it, and sometimes what I personally, what I found out, whether it's my own, in my own situation or people that I talk to, they don't, they just leave it at that. You know, they, whatever discussion, whatever is going on, and they just kind of like one person goes to one room, the other one somewhere else, and they just kind of live it, and that tension is still in the air. Mm-hmm. And they don't even come back until maybe at the end of the day or maybe the next day. And that's the thing that it's now, obviously, for me, I have to go through the pain <laughs> of going through my own experiences to realize, wow, Wendy, no, you know, the, but being very compassionate, kind to myself, like, well, you know, at that time you didn't know what you know now. So don't feel bad. You know, now that you know a little bit more about you and what it is that you're looking for, how can you um, honor that other person's, you know, boundaries, her, his energy and what it is also his needs, then I will be able to be more, again, aware and conscious of my actions actions and the things that I say and not obviously not make the same mistakes. <laughs> so hopefully, again, this is another powerful thing for people to remember that we do have it in us. You know, we have that, that power, that tool, that ability to have really good relationships, to have conscious relationships with other people and also with ourselves. And then just doing little things at a time, you know, practicing, like you were saying at the beginning, how we speak in a more positive way and watching the words that we choose, right? Mm-hmm. And, and doing the things that are, are good for us, respecting our needs ourselves and also bringing other people along, you know, and, and I really appreciate it and thank you for that. And one last thing that I wanted to also um, talk about, because again, it's something that it goes along the things that I also believe and I love talking, which connects to what you were saying in your case, your husband and you, you know, the masculine and the feminine energy kind of thing. Cause it reminded me of this book that I, I was reading. Um, and I told you a thing in a phone call about intimate communion and it talked uh, everything is about the masculine and the feminine energies, right? Like it, it is not gen- gender specific. It is, you know, we all have both one right. more than the other. Um, but sometimes, you know, we kind of go to the extreme with one and kind of forget to take it. Like I'm more in my feminine energy. Like I know that, but if I'm 
stressing out or if I need to get something done, I will turn into my masculine and hustle or like go, go, go and not stop and not take care of myself. And if mm -hmm. I'm too much in the feminine, I'm like, oh, I'll just do it, whatever, whenever it feels good <laughs> to me. No, maybe not now, you know, kind of thing. And then, but then if I do that too much, I don't get other things done, right? But when one thing that you were saying with your your example with your husband that I remember from the book is when we communicate with the other person, right? Our let's say our spouse, you know, our partners, whoever we're with, and knowing and realizing also what is their essence, what is the most predominant, the masculine or the or the feminine. And again, men can also have a little bit more on the feminine side. It doesn't mean any, it's, again, it's not gender specific, but they could be a little bit more laid back and not so much into getting things done. Or more nurturing. They could be right. more nurturing and caring of the moment rather than going out and making $500,000 a year and working, you know, becoming a workaholic. Yeah, definitely. Right. Or being productive and getting, because that's what their focus is doing something, getting something, whereas we are more into, you know, what it is that we want, how we want to feel and, you know, like just going about the things that at least personally, what brings me joy. And mm -hmm. so one thing that you mentioned is that I remember, also, I talked to a friend about communication, and you, when you tell someone, at least for the masculine energy, or in this case, a guy, um, and I think a lot of people know this, but sometimes we don't want to realize that, that we need to tell them straight up what it is that, how we, what it is that we want, you know, what the communication that we want to have with them, instead of making them guess, or just dropping little things, little hints, oh, he'll figure it out, like, he should know me, he should know how I think, you know, because <laughs> we've been together for this long, or whatever, but it feels like, no, it's not so much like that when you are dealing with the masculine energy because they, they want more of the direction. You know, they don't multitask like we do in the sense of, you know, our energy. We could be being a mom. We could be a businesswoman. We could do, you know, like our social, you know, events or whatever. But then men do one thing at a time kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So so the, the whole thing about communication being more direct rather than trying to, have them guess because we want to feel that they have to work for us or they have to do the work to make us feel good and all that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would, um, in, in my opinion, the way I think about it, it's mm -hmm. a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely the masculine and the feminine in the sense of energetically, you know, masculine is about taking action. It's about mm -hmm. providing. It's about, um, doing the doing things in life. It's about having structure. It's about having, um, you know, a plan. Those are all masculine, energetic qualities that are not dependent upon it being a man or a woman. Because there are a lot of women that have type A personality that are more masculine in their energy. They are more concerned about being direct going straight to the source, having a structure, taking action. Those are masculine qualities. Whereas the feminine qualities, which once again, don't have anything to do with the women because there are a lot of men, like you said, that have a lot more mass or feminine energy or feminine qualities. Those are the qualities where it is more go with the flow. It's more laid back. It is, um, you know, taking the time for joy or play or for nurturing. 
you know, so it's really not dependent on the sex whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That being said, somebody like, you know, you think of the, um, the classic alpha male, you know, mm-hmm. they're typically running or using a lot of those masculine qualities because what's their goal? Their goal is to provide for their family. So they're going to do, they're going to take action. They don't have time for chit chat. They want to get things done because they're trying to get to the goal, right? So masculine energy is more goal oriented. And I know when we spoke on the phone um, earlier, we were talking about how that shows up in co-parenting relationships or how that shows up for single moms, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, when a relationship parts ways, whether it's um, because of divorce or just a breakup, a lot of times if the woman, a single mom, ends up having a child, even if she was more in her playful, go with the flow, you know, allowing, nurturing energy, the minute she becomes a single mom and all that responsibility is placed on her, she can easily slip into more, um, more masculine qualities. And what happens when moms do that, because they're providing, because they have to take care, because they have to create a schedule, because they have to plan, because it's just them, they're always having to take action. That's usually when those women end up burning out because their bodies just can't maintain. It's like having your foot on the gas pedal going 100 miles an hour. Women especially they're physically not set up for that kind of action. Men can handle that. You know, you think way back in time with indigenous people, the men were the hunters. So what they would do is not do a whole lot of anything. They'd be conserving energy until it came time for the hunt. Mm -hmm. And then when it came time for the hunt, they were constantly on point. They were constantly full alert. They were constantly taking action. Everything had a plan. Everything had a reason. There was a goal that they were trying to achieve. Mm. So fast forward, however many thousands of years, our brain still just in their most basic sense is going to operate our physical bodies in a way so that when women try to do that, we end up experiencing chronic disease and illness or stress-related injuries or stress-related illnesses. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important, especially for women, to be able to be, number one, aware, but number two, to be able to regulate that because there's absolutely nothing wrong. You know, like what I spoke earlier when I was talking about the archetypes and I said, I'm a collaborator, but when needed, I can shift into my leader energy, which is a secondary um, archetype for myself. When I'm shifting into that leader energy, I'm starting to enact. I'm starting to um, embrace all of those masculine values within myself. You know, when I have something that I need to do, I need to take charge I'm immediately into planning mode. I'm creating a plan. I'm creating a structure. I'm complete, um, you know, deciding what's the goal for this? What do I need to do? What actions do I need to take to get this done? It's important. And what a lot of moms and women do is they get in that role and then they forget to back off on the gas. Mm-hmm. It's so important to back off on that gas to return to whatever your normal or native state is so that you can relax and so that your body can start to recharge. 
you know, and that speaks to um, one of the things that I work with a lot of women about is how can we feel safe in our bodies? I think with a lot of clients, when, we, yeah. when I start talking with them, you know, they start having these beliefs, really deep beliefs that they're not worthy, that they don't feel safe. And it might not be necessarily a physical, you know, it's not a physical, I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a mental or emotional not feeling safe. You know, if I put myself out there, I'll get embarrassed. If I put myself out there, I'll get rejected. If I put myself out there, XYZ can happen. And I think that there's a large component, and and I haven't read any studies, I haven't done any studies, but it is my personal belief that when we are constantly in that state of stress, when we constantly have our foot completely on the accelerator, we're going 100 miles an hour, and we forget to back off, what ends up happening, like I said, is our system gets burned out. But more importantly, we're not able to, you know, that's basically our body saying flight or fight. I mean, that's the stress response right there. So just in that response, we're not going to feel safe. If our body is constantly on guard, we are naturally going to have a belief that we're not safe. Mm-hmm. And so it is so important to back off, you know, there's some different techniques I talk about in my book that help women just to get more in touch with their body. I call it body wisdom, you know, listening to your body, tapping into what your body is saying, what your body is needing. Because when you do that, you know, one of the first things I do is have people practice deep breathing. A lot of people go, oh my God, I didn't even realize I've been shallow breathing for so long until I took those really deep breaths. Yeah. Once you take those deep breaths, that's such a simple thing that initiates the process within your body so that it releases that oxytocin so that it tells your body that you are safe. Then once you do that, you can start moving, taking action and doing all these different steps. But if you don't do that, you're still going to be in that high power mode. And it doesn't matter who you go to for advice, what kind of strategy you use, what kind of communication method you use. None of that's going to matter because innately in the core of yourself, you're going to have a belief that you're not safe. And so no matter what comes at you, you're going to be in a hyper um, alert state and you're going to be triggered more easily. Right. So it's so important to have that self-awareness to get yourself into a neutral state so that when you communicate, when you use whatever tools you have available to you, that you can be the most effective. And I think that's, you know, bringing it back to my work. That's what, you know, a lot of my work is about is really just getting people into a state so that they can live their lives empowered in whatever they are meant to do in whatever situation they are choosing to be in. It's not about making people clones of everyone else. It's about identifying and realizing that each person is unique. What can I do as a coach to bring out the best in you? What tools do you need that I can provide for you? And which tools are you going to choose to use? Which ones feel right for you? And I think that's kind of the the beauty of coaching and certainly the beauty in the work that I do. Wow. Yes. Yes. To all of that. And that's the thing that, Oh my goodness. A lot of the things that we talked about, you know, from 
um, healthier communications and how do we um, learn more about ourselves and everything. And even for those women out there or even men too who are in the position of being the only parent to take care of the house with everything is something that I think at the end on and on it will come back with anything that we do really it all comes down to being aware of ourselves mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful Absolutely. thing that you're doing and, and pretty much with the last thing that you were saying right <clears throat> the tools that we need what it is that we need what it is that we're looking for really because mm-hmm. again if which is the same thing that how we started the conversation when people if they don't know you know they maybe this is the time for them to start looking so mm-hmm. now that they're listening to the podcast or watching the video and now they're going to have that curiosity and then wonder oh you know there are things there are ways for me to to explore and learn more about myself and learn which will allow me to learn more about other people and so on. Wow. Thank you so much, Teresa. I really appreciate <laughs> you coming here and giving us so much wisdom and things. To, and a lot of the points that you, you touched on, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be very helpful. Already is is putting me into that thinking mode of like, wow, okay, now I know about, you know, this part of my life and what to do next and so on. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. And then also, um, how can people connect with you if they want to come to you, talk to you, work with you, be around you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so you can find me. Um, my website is www.teresaladato.com. I'm also found on most of the socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, soon to be Twitter. I haven't gotten there quite yet. Um, but, you know, I think especially now, given the current crisis that we're in, you know, having those healthy relationships, being able to deal with one another when we're in confined quarters, it's so important. And then there's that other aspect of job uncertainty, you know, whether you're going to have a job or whether you're able to take a step back and say, you know what, the work that I've been doing hasn't really been really fulfilling. Why am I expending so much energy, time away from my family to make that money when, I could actually be doing something else. So I absolutely agree that now is the time for people, you know, I I call it the pause. And I think a lot of people think of it as, well, I'm, I'm working harder or I've got all these concerns. I don't mean pause by a vacation. I mean, it's the opportunity to pause. It's the opportunity to be still for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not commuting the two hours a day. You've got two more hours in your day. What can you do with that? Can mm-hmm. you take 15, 20, 30 minutes to just be quiet, be mm-hmm. still, to contemplate what the possibilities are? And I think right now it is the best time to find a coach and to work with a coach because this is a time of great transformation. And when you come out the other side of this crisis, you're going to be hitting the ground running. You're going to feel stronger. Your relationships are going to be stronger. And your life is just going to be more ease, full of ease and grace. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for having me on. Um, Thank you for providing my link for my book. My book is Why Aren't You Listening to Me? Um, And it's found online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, you can also find it at Hay House. Um, oh, nice. And then once the uh, this epidemic or pandemic is over, 
uh, you'll be able to go physically to uh, Rake Straw Books in Danville and purchase it there. So, but right now, great time for reading. Download it on Kindle, <laughs> have Amazon or Barnes and Noble send it out to you.